Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Said. Welcome everyone to our brand new football show. I'm Mark Gleason. And I'm Nick Said, and we will endeavor to keep you informed about the happenings in the Southern African region every two weeks with our exclusive content. It's a delight to have you with us, and we hope that you will enjoy the next half hour or so. On today's program, we have a first interview with Militant Shredajevic since being named coach of Zambia, and we find out about the new champions of Botswana. And of course, everyone wants to know about what is happening with the Kasafa competitions amid the COVID-19 lockdown. We'll have an update on that for you later in the program. But we start first with a new coach of Zambia, and we are delighted to have Militin Stredovic, or Coach Micho, as everyone knows him, joining us from Lusaka. Thank you very much for your time, Coach. Tell us, first of all, how excited are you about being appointed to this prestigious post? I need to tell you a um, moment when you are outside uh, and looking for the job. Uh, you have a picture of Zambia inside yourself. But I need sincerely to tell you a moment when you are entering inside is even 10 times much more. It, the magnitude of the job is huge. This is the country which unbelievable football potential and enormous amount of talent plus a football culture that really lives and loves the game wholeheartedly. Mm. And when you have that in mind, I could tell you that um, every single day I wake up with and believe I need to do something and going to sleep, analyzing myself, believing that I have done something for the game here. Um, it is true that a job is enormous, huge, and, and I have no words to express. I feel it on my shoulders carrying 18 millions of uh, Zambians home and abroad uh, dream. And I want, uh, with all the powers given to me, the way I have done in previous jobs to make millions of people happy. And that to happen, I needed to do and to be ready for a neurosurgeon operation. Uh, when you are looking at the fact that country has enormous name, but uh, the way things were looking like, it is like a perfect picture in the good frame that is evaporating. Evaporating how? We are winning 2012, we are going out of first round 2013 and 15, we are not qualifying for 2017 and 19, and in first two matches, we concede seven and score only one goal against Algeria and Zimbabwe. And this is really a positive picture of Zambian football evaporating. So there is a sense of pride inside the nation, sense of pride inside all of us football stakeholders that myself as a national coach want to use uh, to generate a positive energy and to make a movement of uh, reclaiming the pride of Zambian football, sealing, uh, healing the souls of the people that in recent years have been so disappointed. And when you ask me how, I have done an analysis that, for example, when you look at the picture of Zambia winning 2012, you need to go back to 2007, you need to go to that under-23 that beat South Africa 2004, I think, with Katongo, Isaac Chansa, and those ones. 
and those ones that have gone to the they have uh, gone to the World Cup for under 20 2007. Uh, that has been a nucleus backbone of the team that has 2012 had a peak of a generation without huge names, without names in big teams, but still succeeding to win on the end the Africa Cup of Nations. Now we also take a platform and, and, and draw uh, inspiration from that generation and work that has been done, but we are having an um, platform of uh, generation of under 20 that won 2017 Africa Cup of Nations for under 20 going and becoming the quarter finalist of uh, World Cup uh, for under 20 that the same year. And that generation are players uh, led by uh, Pat Sondaka, Enoch Mepo and others that are supposed to be and uh, uh, I want to call it positive leaders of the new Zambia Chipolo Polo team. So do you think this 2019 generation, the Dhaka Mpewus, they have the same potential to be as successful as the generation of Bwalia and Charles Musonda and Stone Yurenda, those kind of players? Do you think, can you see a similar, a similar um, pool of talent? I believe that at present with those two players that are constantly in UEFA Champions League and present champions of Austrian Premier League and uh, drawing the interest um, in Manchester United, Patsondaka and in Real Madrid, Enochwepu, uh, and also a crop of players that I'm preparing from here that are unknown, but uh, let me tell you, power uh, is to uh, find the fish when it's still small, feed that fish and recognize to become the shark later. <laughs> How happy are you then that the Premier League should be starting in the next month or so after what the president said this week? Um, because obviously Zambia is, is one of the is one of the countries where a lot of players are drawn from the domestic from the domestic clubs for the national squad. So, does that do you feel if you start sooner rather than later with the league that gives you that competitive edge that you will be needing in October November when the when when international football returns? This is exactly going in line with what we have done during the COVID-19 lockdown. We have done the with uh, practically 55 players, uh, the best local players. We have done that special program, uh, fighting for age, fighting for the competitive advantage. And now um, uh, going into the league, going into the competition with this goalkeeping coaching course and um, the video analysis uh, coaching course in order to put the people an old-fashioned approach where people are looking for some uh, outside uh, spirits to help them in football instead of their um, scientific approach to the work. Uh, we want to bend attention and establish an, um, partnership relations with the coaches that are working with those players to use the talent and quality of our players for the performance and result. And of course, um, entering in the uh, continuation of last nine plus matches in the uh, Zambian Premier, Div MTN Pre Premier Division will uh, necessarily be a step in the right direction to help us to have that competitive edge for the qualifiers to come ahead of us. 
And the last question I want to ask you on a personal note, you've been working with clubs now for the last four or five years, but you have national team experience, of course, from your time, particularly with Uganda. Uh, is it a big difference for you? Do you have to do a lot of readjusting now with yourself? Uh, you don't get to work with the players every day. How, how easy, how difficult is it for you to make that adjustment? And which do you prefer, national team or club football? The difference says are that with the club you are on daily basis with your players, while here you are uh, with your players um, on activities that are uh, once in a two three months the way it is. So when you look at that, uh, differences are visible. However, myself, um, I'm trying to be really adaptable, adjustable, um, ready to acclimatize uh, to the situation. Uh, it's very hard to decide what you would like because I have always coached in African football, only big teams where pressure, stress and tension is always there. But also same pressure, tension and stress is when you coach the national team. Uh, myself, I try to pull the equality between working with the team, and, uh, with the club and the national team. Why? Because here... I'm also on daily basis in touch with the players, trying to help to players playing outside. And we have over 30 players that are playing abroad uh, to try to, to do the distance coaching, to try to stay in touch with their respective technical teams. Because uh, we are a national team playing an invisible match before match being actually played uh, on the stadium. And that invisible match, the way you play, the way it will be on the day of the match. Day of the match is just thump. You need to uh, write the video material to the players uh, regarding the opposition that they will meet and uh, psyching them for the day of the match. Because in national team, you are having players only four or five days before the international matches. And they need to be packed uh, um, like and domino effect, you push and pull in a direction so that everything falls in the right puzzle, uh, all the puzzles are falling in right mosaic on the day of the match. So um, when I'm looking at everything, uh, both jobs are extremely exciting, but having in mind that millions are um, in interest with the national team is a bit in a way gives you an breathing space between matches and matches, but still inside yourself uh, as a, a restless person, you cannot allow situation that you uh, stay in one moment. You always try to provide a job to be done, whether it is from the point of um, a federation of Zambian football, where I help to the people in regards to organization of the local game, whether it is with the players outside, one single day could not pass that we are not telling to ourselves we need to make positive steps to develop Zambian football, to help Kosafa football, to help African football to go where all of us, we dream our football is supposed to go. Right, let's move on to our league focus segment and we are honoured to be joined by the chairman of newly crowned Botswana Premier League champions, Dwaneng Galaxy, Mr. Ndrabulo Galika. Galaxy had finished runners-up in the previous three seasons, but claimed their maiden league title when they won the 2019-20 campaign, which was brought to an early conclusion due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Sir, thank you so much for your time. And first of all, how does it feel to be Botswana Premier League winners after so many recent near misses? <laughs> Good afternoon to you and uh, to, to the listeners. Um, 
Well, it feels great. Um, it's a championship we've been chasing for quite a long time now. Uh, I don't know whether to say fortunately or, or what, but uh, I believe we were on course. Uh, after three unsuccessive uh, tries, this season we're very much geared up to make sure that we, we, we clinch it. But it came uh, now due to the pandemic that uh, we are facing. We will still accept it. Uh, we believe it was it was our destiny. And as you mentioned there, you were very much on course for the title. Um, what do you believe have been the uh, you know the successes of the team this season? Where where have they? Where's it all clicked for your team? Well, I would say um, over the years you'd find that we were tripping almost uh, towards the end. That is last few games. Uh, at we believe our preparation from uh, pre-season, we were probably not getting it right to finish uh, the number of games given in a season. And this time around, we made sure that our planning would uh, keep the boys fit and optimal uh, in terms of performance to make sure that they, they run the race to, through to the end. And uh, that's one thing that we did well. And then um, the other thing would have been to try and make sure that we keep the balance in the team. Uh, if, if, if you check, you would see that in other seasons, uh, as much as we are finishing second in terms of uh, conceding, we were conceding quite a lot and we were having a lot of draws. And the time that we were conceding again, it would be the last uh, quarter of the game. So we, we try to make sure that we improve uh, from all those uh, deficiencies that we are having, uh, the imbalance in the team to make sure that it's quite balanced. Uh, defensively, we were not quite resolute. So this is one area that we made sure that we 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 strengthen. Uh, the middle field was another area that we made sure that we we, we got new players who can come and uh, uh, give a new uh, dimension. And then from the other end, administratively, these things they work together. Obviously, you cannot have just a good squad and ad, uh, administratively you are not doing very well because it will impact on the players. We, we are a competitive team and we remain such and we challenge for the championship that is there on offer. And perhaps now just take us a little step back and explain a little about the history of the club and perhaps how you became involved as chairman. Okay, um, joining Galaxy came about uh, uh, through formation, uh, I mean, emerging of uh, clubs in Joaneng. Joaneng is a small diamond town uh, southwest of uh, the capital city, Khaburuni, about 165 kilometers. So what we did was we, we looked as administrators of football. There were about five teams, I think, in Joaneng, four or five teams. We looked and we realized that since the formation of probably the oldest team was in the early 80s, uh, up until 2014, there was no team that brought any, any medal, medal or silverware in the town. So as administrators, we felt this this is not reflecting very well for us uh, because uh, we are trying to develop a young talent and to keep them motivated. There must be something that at the end of the career, somebody can look at and say, look, I have had a medal when I was playing for this. There must be some history of note for the clubs, uh, but there was nothing to write home about. So what we did was let us come together let us bring all these resources that we've scattered around town together into one and then build one formidable club that can go all the way and challenge for any championship that is there. So the clubs that actually came together were joining Comets, uh, Blue Diamonds, Young Stars. These three 
clubs came together. There was another club that was called Cosmos Blizzards. It had it had already merged with the uh, youngsters when 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 this happened. So it was now only youngsters that was there. So it was supposed to be four clubs, but then we had three clubs that were were now in existence. The other club was an institutional team that we we didn't get involved because these others were community teams. And during the the planning and uh, the mapping of the way forward for these new uh, club that was being uh, envisaged. I, I, I was then nominated as the, as, as the chairman. I was leading joining Comets then. So I transited from chairman of joining Comets to joining Galaxy. That's how I became uh, the chairman. And we put together a, a squad from existing and other players that we were getting from outside uh, joining. And this squad, uh, within, uh, we were in the first division. We took the status of uh, joining Comets, which was in the first division then and registered the Joining Galaxy uh, 2014, uh, around July, 7th July, if I remember very well. So um, that club, that very season, we in, uh, with uh, about eight games left, we had already qualified for the Premier League. So we did very well. Our plan was falling into place. We got promoted, but that very season we were, we were registered as a new club. We got promoted to the Premier League since then. That was in 20. 15, 2016 season when we started uh, playing in the Premier League. Uh, first season we came number seven, which means we qualified for the top eight. Uh, first attempt we went on to win the top eight. The first attempt, and then the following year we went as far as the semi-final of the top eight, and then we came second in the league. We have been second since then until this season when we we, we were crowned uh, champions. And last season again we actually went on to win the top eight. So we have got two uh, championships in terms of the top eight, and then three as runners-up of the Premier League. And then this season, we, we, we are the champions. So we have actually even participated in the African Club Championship. Uh, we played in Mozambique against Costa de Sol and uh, uh, Mauritius against uh, Boston City. We, we were knocked off in the first rounds, uh, but we, we gave a good account of ourselves, uh, no doubt about that. And it means this season we are going into the Champions League. We are going to look into how we can resource our team to make sure that this time around we, we can go the distance. And just finally from me, you know, if you now look forward, you, you have this great success behind you now. Where would you like to see this team going in, in the next sort of three, four, five years? Having uh, made sure that we are a club uh, that uh, is now uh, permanently a feature in the Premier League and uh, very much sustained our position in the in the top bracket, our intention is now to to challenge and constantly be champions of this league, uh, the Botswana Premier League. Primarily, what is our focus at the moment is to turn it into a, a professional club, fully professional. Uh, with uh, commercial entities that can help sustain it, even uh, in terms when there are not much uh, sponsorships that are coming through. We know uh, Botswana, we are not yet there in terms of sponsorship, but we would want to build uh, the business side of the club as well to make sure that we are self-sustaining. Already we are a club, we, we are owning a sports shop here in Jone that is doing okay. Uh, we would want to build those uh, entities that can bring up revenue streams for the club to make sure that it's self-sustaining and uh, it stays forever as one of the top-end uh, clubs that are challenging for championship uh, every time.
Now let's turn to the business of the Council of Southern Africa Football Associations. And joining us is General Secretary Sue Daytom. She's the heartbeat of the organization, running affairs from Kusafa House in Johannesburg and with plenty on her plate at the moment. It's no secret that the sporting world has been severely disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic and Kusafa has had to postpone a number of tournaments set for the last months, most notably the Men's Senior Challenge Cup. A return to normal looks still some way off. So, Sue, thanks so much for your time. Tell us, what is the immediate outlook of Kasafa? Uh, good morning, Nick. Yeah, um, as you said, we, we've had to postpone a couple of our tournaments uh, already, and notably two of them, the under-17 girls, which was scheduled uh, for Mauritius in April, um, has had to be postponed. And, uh, and most notably, the Kasafa Cup, which, of course, is, uh, is our flagship tournament, Senior Men's which was scheduled uh, for June in, in Durban. The question now remains uh, on that particular tournament um, uh, is when we can reschedule. Um, and uh, obviously we've got to, to you know, take cognizance of uh, when is the government going to open the borders of South Africa? Because until, until our borders are open, um, we can neither have teams coming into South Africa to, to play a tournament here, um, nor can we effectively go anywhere else because a lot of the teams have to, have to transit uh, South Africa. So that's a big question mark that we've got to, you know, that we've got to overcome. Um, and, uh, and then finding an opportune time, I think, for the Kasafa Cup um, is, uh, is generally tricky. And where can we slot the Kasafa Cup such that it is not just holding the tournament for the sake of, of, of holding it, um, but finding a time where we can uh, have uh, ensure availability of players and having a quality tournament. So on, uh, you know, on that, we're waiting to, for the outcome uh, from CAF as to their usage possibly of the international windows in October and November. Sue, I know it's tough at this stage to make any predictions about where we're going with this pandemic, but do you have uh, confidence that we might see some Kustafa events before the end of the year? Our, our football associations um, have come to depend on Kusafa, um, you know, to ensure activity of their national teams, be it the seniors um, or, in fact, the, the, the juniors. And uh, this year in the in the junior uh, arena, we've got two very important tournaments, um, and that is in the boys under 17 and under 20, which are zonal qualifiers. Obviously, uh, with all its development initiatives, and you talk there about the under 17s and the under 20s and whatnot, this whole lock has really been a, a real blow to the Southern African region. What, what have you as Kasafa been doing to try and sort of soften that blow for member associations in terms of perhaps providing courses and whatnot? Well, we haven't yet um, done so, Nick. We've got uh, we've got a whole program that uh, is is ready to 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 roll out, um, providing online training um, to our member associations um, in the spheres of uh, referees at more at the grassroots uh, um, level, um, administration, which is absolutely critical. Um, uh, ongoing, you know, for all of our member associations, and then um, in the in the area of media, which I think is also um, it's not something that we've done very often before. But having done it last year uh, on two occasions, um, it was uh, uh, very well received. So we want to to continue with that, and then grassroots coaching. So this online program is is ready to uh, to to roll out, but is dependent um, as always. 
um, on uh, some operational funding. So we have been, uh, we've engaged with CAF um, to, to see if um, they can support us. Ultimately, I think this is something um, which is not just for the immediate. Um, I think it has longer legs than that um, because when we, as Kasafa, organize our uh, annual um, tournaments, we always have an educational um, arm or element to those tournaments and uh, we uh, organize um, various workshops and courses in the countries where the tournaments are, are taking place. So that benefits then um, four, four, maybe five uh, member associations per year. But what of the other nine or ten who are not hosting tournaments, then they don't they, they don't feel that benefit. So I think this is uh, the online route is is really something to to go um, looking forward so that those you know all of our member associations in other words can can have the benefit of uh, of, of training. But uh, and and you know our long term goal is is to find um, to secure a sponsor, whether it is in uh, an NGO or a foundation or or a corporate, um, to to come on board with with Kasafa, um, and be able to facilitate uh, through through the necessary funding of our whole educational program, which is really the way that we you know would like to see things going. And if we write off 2020 as a horror year for everyone. Uh, 2021 is obviously going to be nice and busy for you. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, but, you know, just going, looking back um, to, to this year, and if we do nothing else, um, we, we need really to do the two zonal qualifiers um, in the under-17 and under-20 uh, boys categories because there are AFCONs next year. Um, we've just heard yesterday from uh, the, the outcome of, of the CAF Executive Committee meeting, one of the decision, decisions that they've taken is that the under-17 AFCON has moved from the original April slot to July, which does buy a little bit more time um, in terms of uh, uh, the, the, the zonal qualifiers taking place. And uh, But they didn't mention the under-20, uh, which leads me to... Uh, to think at this point in time that that will remain in its current slot, which is in the first quarter of, uh, of, of next year. So those, those two are very important and we need to get those, uh, those done. In fact, um, the under 17, which is scheduled for Malawi, uh, we are um, at the moment waiting for them to, to send us revised dates in the last quarter of this year. Um, uh, just uh, taking into consideration their schooling calendar. Um, being that uh, age category. And then the under 20, uh, we're fairly certain will take place in Mauritius, subject, of course, you know, to, to anything really uh, going awry with, uh, with the COVID again. But uh, otherwise, that will be in December in, uh, in Mauritius. But 2021 absolutely will be a bumper year uh, where we will be looking to, to roll out our six annual tournaments, uh, senior men and, uh, and, and senior women in the juniors. But uh, also very... Um, uh, excitingly, that we've got um, on our radar two new uh, competitions and under 15 boys, uh, which if we don't do it in December, possibly as part of the Region 5 Games, that we will be looking to do that in the first quarter of next year. Um, and under 15 uh, being very much in line with CAF's um, development strategy where they are, are wanting to really start um, uh, and focusing on the under-15 age group as opposed to uh, the under-17. 
and um, and then um, in line again with uh, with CAF's big announcement uh, yesterday, uh, where they're going to be implementing uh, for the first time ever a women's champions league, and um, that is something that has been on Kasafa's uh, uh, table and uh, on our radar for for some months now, um, and we will. Uh, uh, be looking to um, to roll that out as well. We're just um, uh, doing all the, um, the the research in terms of our own member associations um, uh, with um, women's competitions, uh, the, whether it is a, a provincial league or a national league, and when uh, those calendars are, so that we can slot that in for next year. So, 2021 is really going to be a, a, a bumper a bumper year. When you can't go on and do the same thing over and over. It's like my friend when he went out last night. He didn't eat your french fries. He wanted to reheat them today and expect them to taste like <laughs> they can't. Catch the car wash with Teko Modise and Sean Roberts. Only on SL Radio, brought to you by Sokola Duma. Let's hope we get a chance to have the Kasafa competitions up and running soon. There are certainly increasing signs over the last days that the footballing lockdown in the region might soon be coming to an end. We'll be back on July 17 with the next episode of the Kasafa Show. But in the meantime, for more news, views and analysis from the Kasafa region, visit our website, www.kasafa.com, check out kasafa.tv or head to our accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Well, we hope you enjoyed the program. We look forward to your company again next time. Goodbye.